Robert Maxwell and Elizabeth Betty Maynard, married on March 15, 1945, in France. Betty came from a wealthy, well-respected family, and she was very intelligent, studying law and working as a Holocaust researcher. During Betty's research into the Holocaust, she was able to find over 300 of Maxwell's immediate and extended family who perished under Nazi rule. Maxwell and Betty had nine children in total, four boys and five girls, all who were born in Maisons Lafitte in France, and all were delivered by her sister Yvonne, who was a gynecologist. The family were initially poor, but as Maxwell's empire grew, so did the family's wealth. And in 1959, they moved into Headington Hill Hall in Oxford, which they rented from Oxford City Council. Eddington Hill Hall was a huge, imposing building, with the oldest part of the building dating back to 1824. The house was originally built for a local brewing family called the Morels. In 1939, Edding Hill Hall was requisitioned by the government to be used as a military hospital during World War II. It then became a rehabilitation center run by the Red Cross until 1953 when James Morrell III sold it to Oxford City Hall. The council continued to run the home as a rehabilitation center until 1958 when the center was closed and the house was then rented to Maxwell and his family. The house had 53 rooms and 14 acres of land. Maxwell originally took on the lease for 2,400 pounds around $4,700 per year to move in his company, Pergamon Press. But he soon moved his wife and children into the property and moved the business into the old stables. Maxwell restored the house, which had become dilapidated over the years. He ripped an old chimney out of Pergamon's old office in Fitzroy Square, London, to put in his new home as well as filling the shelves with dummy books, and there were cinema screen televisions in many of the rooms. He replaced one of the original stained glass windows, which had been damaged during the war. The original window showed Samson at the gates of Gaza. The replacement window was crafted by Israeli sculptor and ceramicist Nehemiah Azaz, and is believed to depict Maxwell as Samson. As the business grew, the old stables were no longer big enough to house everyone, so Maxwell erected a number of prefabricated buildings in the grounds. These buildings were cheap, ugly, and not at all in keeping with the beautiful Headington Hill Hall. When Maxwell approached the council in 1962, requesting a longer lease, it came with the condition that, quote, with a period of 36 months from the granting of this lease, a new building of a type and design and on a site approved by the council to replace the existing five temporary huts and within three months of the completion of this building to demolish the five huts, clear the concrete bases and reinstate the sites to their original condition, end quote. He agreed to this and was granted a 75-year tenure at an annual rent of 4,500 pounds about $8,500, to remain fixed the entire time. This seemed like a crazy decision, 
during a time of inflation, but that is what he managed to agree. Maxwell kept his word and built the new office block. However, he reneged on his other promises. He did not make more of the grounds available to the public. He did not make the staff use the back entrance of the estate, and he did not stop staff cars using the main driveway, which he had promised would become a public footpath. Regardless of his blatant disregard for the rules, he was still able to renew his lease in 1978, extending it to 99 years, with a poultry rent increase each year. He decided it was time to increase security on the site, so he put guards on the main entrance, reinforced the fence with barbed wire, and attached video cameras to the trees. He kept the staff away from the main house, the swimming pool, and the tennis court. He set up speakers in every office so that he could make announcements to staff. He really made Headington Hill Hall into a fortress. The Pergamon Press started to say they worked for the Purgatory Press. Maxwell called this house, quote, the grandest council house in Britain, end quote. His helicopter was often seen circling Headington, and with 14 acres of land, there was plenty of space for him to land in the grounds. So as you can see, the Maxwell's nine children grew up in a very wealthy, affluent environment, living in a huge mansion in the beautiful Oxfordshire countryside with acres of land to play in. Their parents both worked hard, Maxwell on building his empire, and Betty worked in public relations for his company, as well as campaigning for him in the general election in 1964. She also organized a conference entitled Remembering the Future in 1988. She received the Sir Siegmund Sternberg Award for furthering Christian Jewish relations. And she authored a book on anti-Semitism titled Silence or Speaking Out, which was published in 1990. Whilst Betty was a loving mother, Maxwell was hard, cold and domineering father, who many of the children found overbearing and hard to get close to. It was not a happy marriage for Betty. As the empire grew, Maxwell was barely home. So Betty was left in the sprawling house looking after the children. Maxwell didn't stay faithful to Betty. His head was easily turned by the leggy blonde secretaries who he treated to extravagant gifts and expensive meals, promising them the world when he finally divorced his wife, which of course he never did. Maxwell and Betty's first child was born in 1946. A boy, Michael. He was the firstborn son, and he is thought to have been Robert's favourite. Tragically, he was in a car accident in 1961, aged 15, and fell into a coma. He never regained consciousness and died around eight years later. Maxwell and Betty were devastated and it is thought they suffered from depression for many years following this incident. Betty was said to become anorexic and the remaining children all felt neglected and unloved as their parents tried to come to terms with the tragedy. Philip was born next in 1948. Philip was a brilliant academic, just like his mother. He was a scientist and a mathematician. He won a scholarship to Balliol College in Oxford, aged just 16. He found his father suffocating and couldn't wait to get away from him. So as soon as he could, he fled to Argentina, where he met his wife, Nilda. 
Maxwell didn't want Philip to marry Nilda, an Argentine. And when he did, in 1977, they fell out. Unfortunately for Philip, the marriage didn't last. Nilda left the family home, taking their daughter, Marcella, with her. Philip did marry a second time, but that didn't last either. Philip is believed to currently be living in London and working as a writer and translator. Anne was Maxwell and Betty's first daughter, born in 1949. Anne studied Italian and French at Oxford. Anne wanted to be an actor. As her acting career floundered, her cruel father said to her, quote, What have you and Pope John Paul II got in common? You're both ugly and you're both failed actors. End quote. Anne changed direction and trained as a Montessori teacher, later becoming a psychotherapist. She is married to an osteopath, has relocated to Surrey, and like her brother Philip, likes to stay out of the limelight. Looking for a new way to unwind after a long day? Say hello to Recess Mood, a healthier alternative that keeps your evenings light and your spirit high. With Recess Mood, you get the pleasure without the guilt. Made with real fruit and infused with mood-lifting magnesium and stress-balancing aptogens, Recess Mood lets you relax without alcohol or hangovers. It's just 20 calories per can, has no added sugar, and comes in four delightful flavors like strawberry rose and raspberry lemon. I've tried these myself, and whether I'm chilling at home or need a moment during downtime chaos, Recess Mood is my go-to refreshment. It's truly a guilt-free way to unwind. And now there's something special for all our listeners. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash Shane and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. In 1951, Maxwell and Betty were blessed with twin girls. They were named Christine and Isabel. After high school in Oxford, Christine flew the nest and entered Pitzer College in Claremont, California, where she graduated in May 1972 with a Bachelor of Arts degree with a major in Latin American Studies and Sociology. Christine then returned to England, where she attended Lady Spencer Churchill College of Education, now Oxford Brookes University, where she graduated in 1974 with a postgraduate teaching certificate. At a later date, she also earned a master's degree in interdisciplinary studies from the University of Texas in Dallas. Christine started her career in the early 1970s as an editor for Pergamon Press Publishers and worked for her father through most of the 1970s and 1980s, though she did work as a middle school teacher for a couple of years in the mid-1970s too. Her work for her father took her to West Coast America, and she became a resident of the San Francisco Bay Area in 1979. She became an author, writing the Pergamon Press Dictionary of Perfect Spelling, which was first published by the Pergamon Press in 1977. The book was a very valuable resource for dyslexic learners and became an international bestseller. The book is still available today, having been revised and republished a number of times. It's currently called the Dictionary of Perfect Spelling. Like her father, Christine was an entrepreneur, and in 1982, she acquired information on demand 
one of the earliest information brokers. An information broker or data broker is a company that collects information about information from public records to aggregate into profiles. These brokers then sell the profiles to provide target audiences for advertising and marketing purposes. Christine met Roger Molina, an American physicist, educator, and astronomer, and they married in June of 1986. They went on to have three children, a son, Xavier in 1988, a second son, Yuri, in 1990, and a daughter, Giselle, in 1991. Melina's father, Frank, was also a scientist who hung out with a like of Scientology founder L. Ron Hubbard and rocket engineer Jack Parsons, occultists and transhumanists. Christine didn't let a husband and children get in the way of her career, and in 1992, she launched Magellan with her twin sister Isabel, one of the first Googles, an online search engine for internet content. She also created and co-authored one of the first hard copy reference guides to the internet, New Writer's Official Internet Yellow Pages, and the McKinley Internet Yellow Pages, which were both published by Macmillan Publishers in 1994 and 1995. In 1996, Magellan was acquired by Excite, a competing search engine. But Christine was hungry for more and went on to co-found Chiliad, a software company. Chiliad created specialized on-demand software, such as the data search technology behind the FBI's counterterrorism data warehouse. She still serves on the board of directors today. In 1999, Christine made the Sunday Times Rich List after amassing a fortune of around 100 million pounds, almost $200 million in the dot-com boom with her twin sister, Isabel. Today, Christine is a doctoral candidate in the Humanities Department of the University of Texas in Dallas. Christine was quoted in a 2019 Daily Mail article as saying, quote, Both of my parents had a strong work ethic which they instilled in me and my brothers and sisters when we were very young. They also communicated a very clear understanding that advantages always come with responsibilities, that there was no such thing as a free ride. Christine's twin sister, Isabel, was once described in the Jerusalem Post as a fireball, who was always in your face, and that she was definitely the Maxwell to watch. Isabel was a bit of a rebel. She never wanted to join the family firm. She had plans of her own. After graduating Oxford with a degree in modern languages, followed by a master's in Edinburgh, she became a TV reporter. In 1981, she fled the nest and moved to California, where she hunted for work in TV and film. She produced and directed a number of documentaries. And in 1982, she wrote and directed Grey's Inn, a fountain of justice. Isabel worked with Jurassi Films, Inc. on some collaborative projects, producing a feature film, 68, and the 1982 documentary, Bhutan, A Strange Survival. Whilst working together with Dale Jassari, Dale and Isabel became very close and in 1984 ended up getting married. Dale was a producer for the studio and the son of Carl, a scientist who invented the birth control pill. 
Isabel and Dale also had a son together the year that they were married, whom they called Alexander. Unfortunately, the marriage failed and the couple divorced in 1989. In 1990, Isabel married again, this time to David Hayden, a dot-com entrepreneur. By 1992, she had teamed up with her sister, Christine, and they set up Magellan, selling it in 1996 and becoming very wealthy overnight. At the same time, Isabel's marriage to David deteriorated and they subsequently divorced. Isabel continued her career in technology and became president of ComTouch Inc. in 1997, an Israeli-American email messaging and security company. The company went public in 1999 and Isabel left in 2001. She then became CEO for iCognito, an Israeli web content filtering software company, which she turned around. The company was subsequently sold in 2005. In 2007, Elizabeth met her third husband, Al Sekel, on a blind date. Sekel, an American collector and illusionist, was once a big player in California literacy, academia, and the celebrity scene. He was famous for holding parties for the great and good and was friends with the infamous Jeffrey Epstein. In fact, in 2009, the two men organized a science conference called Mindshift on Epstein's private island of Little St. James. Seckel was a con man, hanging out with prominent scientists and academics, despite not having a degree himself. However, this marriage was not official as Seckel was still legally married to his previous wife. He'd forgotten to file the papers to annul the second of his three marriages to a former model. It transpired that wasn't the only thing he'd forgotten to file either. He had countless debts that he had forgotten to pay, resulting in endless legal proceedings. One lawsuit accused him and Isabel of perpetrating a fraud involving the purchase of antique rare books and a portrait of Sir Isaac Newton painted in 1689. They were sued by Ensign Consulting Limited, a firm based in the Virgin Islands. Around 2010, Isabel and Seckel moved from Malibu, California to France to look after Isabel's ailing mother, Betty, who sadly passed away in 2013. While there, they lived in a chateau and acquired thousands of Stone Age tools to sell in the United States. On the 19th of July, 2015, Tablet magazine printed an article called The Illusionist with a subheading, Al Seckel has left the country, but the world's greatest collector of optical illusions left some troubles behind. The article discusses Seckel's parties, his early life, and then goes on to talk about all the people who he conned. It seems that he liked to deal in rare books, either suspecting the owners did not know the true value of what they held or promising to sell it on their behalf and then never actually handing over the money. The author of the article, Mark Oppenheimer, has been talking to Seckel about the article that he was writing, but has spoken to him several times over Skype. However, Seckel becomes suspicious of Oppenheimer and stopped taking his calls. Unthwarted, Oppenheimer included questions about the cons, along with many other questions he had, in a dossier ready to confront Seckel. But Seckel refused to answer any questions and referred Oppenheimer to his lawyer, Patricia Glazer, in Los Angeles. Oppenheimer submitted his questions to Glazer but never heard back from either Seckel or his lawyer. On the 1st of July 2015, Seckel's body was allegedly found at the bottom of a cliff in France. 
He was 56. Seckle died just as Tablet Magazine were preparing to release the article about him. His sketchy business dealings, his phony academic credentials, and his double marriage. Many are skeptical that Seckle is actually dead. He is a master of optical illusions after all. Just a few months later, in December 2015, Isabel was declared bankrupt. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Maxwell and Betty welcomed another daughter into the family in 1954, who they named Corrine. Sadly, Corrine suffered from childhood leukemia and died when she was just three years old in 1957. In 1956, Maxwell and Betty welcomed their seventh child to the family, a son, Ian. Ian found life at home very difficult, constantly being taunted by his father and ridiculed in front of his friends. Ian went to Summerfield School, followed by Marlboro College, and then Oxford University, before joining his father's business, Pergamon Press, in 1978, where he worked until 1983. After a short stint working for the Prince's Charitable Trust, Ian rejoined the family business, this time at British Printing and Communications Corporation. In 1991, Ian met and married Laura Marie Plum. Laura was a former college basketball star and model from Chicago. Laura moved to London and helped set up a TV cable company. And it was during this time that she met Ian. The marriage didn't last, and the couple divorced in 1996. In 1995, Ian was involved with the company, who was focused on content for Russia and the former Soviet countries, called Maximov Publications. In 1999, Ian married Tara Dudley-Smith, and they had a child shack on Christmas Eve in 2003. This marriage didn't last either, and the couple divorced in 2009. Over the years, Ian had been the director of many companies. He also allegedly worked for Westbourne Communications, a public relations firm. In September 2018, he and his younger brother Kevin announced that they had founded a think tank called Combating Jihadist Terrorism, COGIT, with the aim of better understanding terrorism and its causes. Ian is currently serving as the director of this venture. Ian and Kevin have also set up an organization similar to the Prince's Trust in Greece, which has raised millions of euros and helped to launch several hundred businesses. After two failed marriages and a turbulent few years, Ian is currently in a relationship with Cecilia French, who is the director of public protection at the Home Office. Maxwell and Betty's youngest son, Kevin, was born in 1959. Kevin attended Marlboro College, followed by Oxford University. While at Oxford University, Kevin met his wife, Pandora, Warnford Davis, and they married in 1984. Like Ian, Kevin joined the family business and spent most of his working life before 1991 
employed by his father. This included a stint as the chairman of Oxford United Football Club that Robert Maxwell had purchased. He was also, by 1991, serving as chairman of Maxwell Communications Corporations and Macmillan Incorporated, employing over 16,000 people and controlling 350 companies. In 1998, Kevin co-founded media company Telemondi and looked to be on course to become a multimillionaire when it floated. However, it was not to be. By 2001, the company had huge debts of over 100 million pounds, or around $200 million. Kevin decided to change track and move into high-end commercial property. But this venture came tumbling down on July 8, 2011, when there was an insolvency service investigation into the collapse of his company, Synchro, and he was disqualified for being a director for eight years. During their marriage, Kevin and Pandora had seven children, who were all sent to St. Andrew's School in Pangbourne, where they are privately educated. It's believed that the £11,000 per year school fees for each child were paid for by relatives and godparents. The couple's marital home was Mousefort Manor, an 11-bedroom Elizabethan house near Henley on Thames. This was purchased for them in 1994 by Pandora's wife's family. The family lived in the house until the couple separated in 2007 and subsequently divorced. Kevin is now working with his older brother, Ian, on a number of ventures. Maxwell and Betty's ninth and final child was a daughter, Ghislaine, born on Christmas Day in 1961. Ghislaine was just a toddler when her brother Michael died following a car accident that left him in a coma. Her mother said that she showed signs of anorexia as a child following her brother's accident. Ghislaine was very close to her father and it is widely believed that she was the favorite. The siblings say that Maxwell wasn't as mean to her as he was to the others. A regular guest at the country estate was quoted in the New York Post in 2000 as saying, quote, Robert Maxwell saw himself as Britain's Joseph P. Kennedy, the patriarch of a dynasty that would wield finance and political power on a global scale. Like Kennedy, he expected much of his children and pushed them hard. He would interrogate them at the dinner table about history or geopolitics. He would reduce them to tears if they didn't know the answer. He could be a cold man and the temperature in the house dropped noticeably when he was there. The colder he was, the more his youngest daughter tried to please him." Ghislaine attended Marlborough College and the Balliol College, Oxford, obtaining a degree in marine biology. Ghislaine was a socialite and was a prominent member of the London social scene in the 1980s. She also founded a women's club, named after the original Kit Kat Club, which was an early 18th century English club with strong political and literary associations. Ghislaine worked for her father's companies, acting as director for Oxford United Football Club and then at the European, one of Maxwell's publications. In 1986, Maxwell bought himself a luxury yacht. It was 190 feet long, with a jacuzzi, a disco and a gym on board. It was big enough to house 12 guests and 13 staff. 
he had just one problem. What to call it? Well, of course, he would name it after his favourite child. So he called it the Lady Ghislaine. Ghislaine attended the christening of the yacht in the Netherlands along with her father. And what better accessory for a party girl to have than a party boat? So Ghislaine spent a lot of time aboard the Lady Ghislaine in the 1980s, entertaining her friends and expanding her social circle. It was even claimed that Maxwell set up a special company in New York just for Ghislaine, selling corporate gifts. However, it was not profitable, so it was closed down shortly after it opened. Ghislaine's father, Robert Maxwell, had high hopes for his daughter, dreaming of marrying her off to John F. Kennedy Jr. after getting friendly with his father. However, Ghislaine had other ideas and in 1986 started dating Count Gianfranco Chicogna, a dashingly handsome Italian man who was a member of the Seagar Hotels clan. He was very forceful with Ghislaine, telling her where to get her hair cut, what to wear, and he also decided where she could go. They had a passionate affair for four years, which ended in 1990. Joe Franco inherited his title from his father, aged just 10 years old, when his father died. He could speak five languages, had a Bachelor of Science degree in economics, and was selected by the Chemical Bank in New York for a specialist training program. His career spanned international banking, marketing, and farming. Sadly, Joe Franco died in a plane accident at the Klerkdorp Air Show in South Africa in July 2012 where he was performing as a stunt pilot.